All right, everybody, welcome back to the Kilo Train Podcast. This is episode number 24. We got Jacob Lensing. 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 Jacob Lensing with us. Um, Jacob has been a member at Kilo 2 for not too long. Um, he's He does primarily his own program, and we'll get into more to that. But um, what brought him to the podcast today was, uh, long story short, I just kind of went up to him and asked him, uh, hey, what you got on the docket today? And he told me, ah, oh, he's got some, he had some squats to do, doing some legs. And, uh, and then he kind of made a comment about how his legs were a little sore. I'm like, oh, what are they sore from? He said, oh, this triple iron man that I just got done doing. And I just had to, I had to take a second and rewind that back a few times, triple iron man and ask him, Hey, what, what does that mean? I know what an iron man is, but, um, we'll get into that later, but that's what brought him here. Uh, he's a super interesting guy. Um, so we're going to get to learn a little bit more about Jacob Lensing today. Uh, so Jacob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Deidre, welcome. Thanks. Uh, everybody, good to have you. So, uh, Jacob, tell us, uh, tell us how old you are, man. Uh, so I'm 26 now. I recently had a birthday, so. Oh, happy, happy bro- birthday. Belated birthday, yeah. <laughs> uh, so where'd you grow up? I grew up in Pella, Iowa, a small, like, Dutch town. I think it's, like, west of here. Uh, but about 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. And then, did you go to school there, like, your undergrad too, or did you? Uh, no, I went to undergrad up in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. Small, like, uh, D3 college, Calvin College, now Calvin University. Cool. So. All right. Um, do you have any brothers and sisters? I do. I have a older brother who graduated med school uh, four years ago, I think, now. Uh, and that he's in Des Moines right now. Uh, I have a little brother in law school down in Knoxville, Tennessee, and then uh, my little sister's up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, completing her senior year at Calvin right now. What's she doing for postgrad? She got so high standards yeah. and expectations. She she doesn't know. She's she's thinking either med school or dental school. She's kind of deciding between the two. So you said an older brother in med school. Or, or graduated, graduated yeah. from med school, graduated, and then a, another a younger brother in law school. Mm-hmm. You're in dental, dental school. school. We'll get to that. So what? You, your family probably needs another profession to cover. Yeah, well, I, your, your I, sister's I, gonna be an astronaut. That's yeah. Well, I that's what that's I told her. I told her to go into like astrophysics because I think she's majoring in like biochemistry, Spanish, and math right now. So I'm oh like. God. You know, go go do something fun. Don't don't go to dental school. But. <laughs> uh, so, what do your parents do? Yeah, then? just gonna ask that. Uh, my dad is an OBGYN, okay, uh, and then my mom's just CEO of the home. So she nice. She taught us everything we know. That's awesome. Cool. So, uh, did you play any sports growing up? I did. I played a lot. So my main sport, like when I was really young, was soccer. I loved soccer, uh, but as I got older, my my joints just couldn't take it. I was like in high school, I was probably taking like eight or nine ibuprofen a game. Oh my gosh! It was it was bad. And like my, after halftime hit, if I took like a ten minute break, I just my knees wouldn't get going again. Uh, but then I also did track, cross country, swimming, and cheerleading in high school as well. Um, and as I got older, I got more into swimming, uh, less into cross country and track. And I went to a small high school, so they just needed runners and bodies. So they let me basically just train swimming and then run the meets for him uh so yeah mostly swimmer and then i just lift in the mornings was there uh, any underlying issues to why you had so many joint issues with with soccer and, and the running uh 
I think it was swimming. I was a breaststroker in swimming, and like to do that, your knees have basically have to come back, and you gotta like keep your legs straight, but twist your knees out as far as you can, basically, mm -hmm. to get the get the whip and the propulsion. So then that kind of messed up my running form. Um, and then soccer, just the the stop on a dime and turn. Yeah. Uh, so. Did you play yeah. soccer? Yeah, I played soccer yeah. through college. Okay, nice. Yeah, I just, I loved it, but I just, my knees weren't built for it. So. Yeah. Did you play like midfield or is that I was what defense. runs? Defense. 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 Mm -hmm. You were a defender, weren't you, Deeds? Um, so yeah, I play either center back or I'd play forward. I preferred forward, but defense was, I was not a midfielder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Deidre yeah. and I are still learning how to do the freestyle stroke. Yeah. Yeah. We're just trying we're to, trying to perfect basics. that, the <laughs> basics of swimming. But I heard if you do butterfly, like, Sam, I was talking to Sam about this, and she said that, like, it's really, I don't know, hard to be good at the butterfly. And then if someone is, like, that's all you do because it's, I don't know. Well, he said breaststroke. Uh, oh, breaststroke. Yeah, I was, I was definitely not oh, a I butterflyer. Oh, I think I'm thinking bus, breaststroke. You might this be one? thinking, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Sam said. Yeah, butterfly, butterfly is a hard stroke. I'm not a butterfly. No, I think she was talking about breaststroke because yeah. okay. she did breaststroke, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, breaststroke, uh, I mean, I think swimming in general is very technique-based in, in all the strokes. Cause, oh, yeah, we're learning that. I mean, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I was a freestyler and a breaststroker, but, uh, like, I couldn't swim back or butterfly for the life of me. So it's just, and I swam for a long time, but, yeah, I just never picked it up. So was uh, swimming your favorite sport then? Uh, I think so. It's... Uh, my parents put me in it when I was in first grade, I think, and they said, you know, in case we ever go to a beach or something like that, you got to do this for two years so you don't drown. Um, and then, you know, you just make friends and mm -hmm. just kept doing it. Wanted to be better than my brother and my friends, so I just kept swimming. So did you do a swim team, or was it just through the high school? No, I did. yeah, I did a swim team. Pella okay. had a swim team. Uh, it was small, like the rec. So there's rec, and then there's club. Uh, and so I did, I did both. And then the club team was a lot smaller. Uh, so I got to be really good friends with my coach and my coach's daughter. And like, uh, I still go to, go to her for advice a lot of the time. Cool. Did you do any relays or did you do all individual? Uh, I did. Yeah, I was on, uh, in college. I actually went to nationals my, uh, junior year for the 200 medley relay. And I was the freestyle leg on that. So how far do you, is that a 50 meter swim then? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 50 yard. 50 yard. Okay. So what was your, what's your 50 yard split? We've been doing a lot uh, of 50 yard yeah. drills lately. Okay. So, so we don't even know how bad we, how slow we are. I think my fastest, uh, like start time from the blocks was 21.3. <laughs> my fastest relay split, I think was like 20.3 three or 20.6 i'm not even down to the other side <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm starting my turn around that point yeah. <laughs> very cool um so we kind of spilled the beans on you already being in dental school uh what made you want to take that career path uh so my dad was a doctor or still is a doctor and he said don't don't go into medicine uh because he he liked private practice and uh that kind of got taken away from him just with like a lot of the law and healthcare changes and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, you know, you're a lensing, you know, you're going to love science. You're going to love working with your hands, but you're also very stubborn and you know, you're going to want to be your own boss someday. 
So, you know, going to dentistry. Uh, so I looked into it and, you know, I really, I really did enjoy uh, dentistry. My junior year, I job shadowed a, a general dentist and then senior year, I job shadowed an oral surgeon. And then I was like, okay, let's do oral surgery. So what year are you in? Uh, I'm a fourth school? year. Fourth year. Okay. Mm -hmm. So are you looking at like fellowship opportunities now or how does that work? Yeah. So I'm applying to six year oral surgery residencies. So, uh, that, that's the plan right now. So does that mean you have two years left or you start a six year program? Start a six year program. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you can, oral surgery is weird because you can do either a four year residency uh, or you can do a six year residency. And then uh, the six years you do like two to three years of med school so you can get your MD. Oh, then, okay. Mm -hmm. So you're going to also earn your MD then? That That's the plan, hopefully. Wow. I didn't even know that was a thing for yeah. like oral surgeons and stuff. Yeah, it's an interesting route. Okay. So you've done four years of undergrad, four years of dental school, and then about to go six years into oral surgery school, for lack of better terms, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's, uh, let's see, 14 years of post-high school education. Yeah. That'll... So during that residency, <laughs> though, you're like essentially doing what your job will be. You're just... You know, maybe have like a mentor or someone kind of watching you or what? Uh, sort of. So it depends on how the residency is set up. So for six-year residencies, a lot of them are uh, either the first year you're a resident, so you are just doing like oral surgery. Um, and then, but as like a first year, a lot of it's just job shadowing or like shadowing or uh, retracting and just reading a lot of the oral surgery books and kind of just learning the process of how the okay. hospital works. Because uh, just going from dental school uh, into like a hospital setting is, is very different. Um, but then others are your first two years, you're, you literally just start med school with the incoming med school class hmm. of that program. Uh, and then you go through those two years of med school. But then like on your weekends, you can take call with the oral surgery residents or you can uh, on breaks, you come back and you work for the oral surgery department basically, gotcha. essentially. And then the last four years, you... You, uh, you're doing what you, you do as yeah. an oral surgeon. Okay. So would you, is, um, like I went to an oral surgeon for my wisdom teeth, but what other types of procedures or surgeries do they do? Yeah. So the, the bread and butter of oral surgery is going to be like wisdom teeth and, uh, a lot of implants like dental implants. Mm. Uh, but then they're basically just hard tissue of the mid face. So a lot of residency is like taking trauma call, mm. uh, for any mid face trauma. So like, uh, like zygomas or maxillary fractures, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. Or sometimes, uh, orbital fractures of the eye for bar fights. Oh, mm -hmm. I didn't yeah. Know that. A lot of bar fights, <laughs> a lot of bar fights, uh, any like lacerations to the face as well. So any like soft tissue cuts, a lot of dog bites. Okay. Uh, and then in the bigger cities, a lot of electric scooter accidents, mm. basically from like drunk people. Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. And then um, uh, a lot of jaw. So anything to the mandible is is oral surgery. Any trauma to the mandible, and then so people with like small mandibles who need uh, mandible to uh, basically bring it forward. If you have like sleep apnea too, uh, moving your mandible forward will help that. And then. Uh, what they call is a Lafort procedure where you can move the maxilla around as well. So bring it forward, set it back, or split it to widen it. Gotcha. Um, and then any cancer uh, in the oral cavity mm -hmm. and then down to the neck 
as well. That like it's kind of a it overlaps with neurosurgery, but more so plastics and uh, ENT. So <sighs> would you do like cleft palate or cleft lip? Mm-hmm. Would that be yep. okay? Cleft palate, cleft lip, um, and then afterwards, if you after your four years or six years, you can do fellowships. So if you get your MD. You can do like full body cosmetics, so then you can go and basically be a plastic surgeon. You can do like yeah, any plastic surgery in the in the body, and then you can also do uh, what I'm kind of interested in is the craniofacial aspect of it. So uh, basically, kind of like cleft lip and palate, but uh, it's kids that are like born with craniosynostosis where their skulls are like fused mm-hmm. uh, prematurely, and then you go in and you kind of break apart their skulls in a controlled fashion rebuild it so then their brain can grow properly that'd be sweet i'm starting to understand why the extra six years is necessary yeah. <laughs> when you're thinking like... it just like opens up all the doors for you like yeah. going that path that's really cool yeah and you know when you think about it like your face and your head is like where we get most of our sensation like we mm-hmm. our eyes are up there our nose is up there our mouth is up there our brains up there ears so it's a really important part of the body that I mean, you're going to be operating on, which, I mean, yeah, you've got a lot to be sure know prepared up. for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I didn't really think of it that way of all the things you'll be respond, like able to, to help people with, which right. is really cool. Besides, you know, you think of, you know, traditionally dentists are okay. We're, you know, helping people with their teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, beyond that, like, I, you know, you don't really think about, you know, when somebody gets like a motorcycle accident. Like, oh, who fixes their face? It's probably an oral surgeon, right? Yeah, I mean, oral surgeons, plastics, like plastic surgery, ENT, neurosurgery. Uh, It's just like, yeah, oral surgery definitely uh, in a hospital setting will do that. It's very political based on, like, who has, I guess, more clout in the hospital, whether, like, the, the plastic surgeons do, the oral surgeons, or, like, the ENTs do, but... Yeah, they all kind of overlap, and oral surgery would definitely be a part of that trauma team. So I know you're kind of, I mean, not really in the, I mean, I don't know. Have you been able to shadow any of that? For example, like when I think, I guess the question I want to ask is, do do doctors from different departments, do they want to take on like those hardcore accidents? Or is it more like, eh, I don't know if I want to take that one and push it off to you. Like, is that something you want to get your hands on? I would hope your the doctor would want to be hands on. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, mean, I would yeah. hope Just that your, they like, feel really confident. confident. Uh-huh. It's a lot of it is at like a teaching hospital. A lot of it's going to be the doctors are going to want the attendings, which are the ones who actually have gone through residency and are our doctors. They're going to want to basically fight for that uh, opportunity for the residents to operate on that, and then. Uh, basically when the residents are applying to, or the students are applying to residency, you know, the, the attendings can then say like, Hey, you know, we take on these big types of traumas. We see these regularly. When you come here, you'll be trained to do this. Mm. Um, and then those residents can be like, you know, okay, I want to seek a program that's going to do that trauma. Or some residents are gonna be like, you know, I realize that after I come out of oral surgery residency, I'm going to want to do private practice in a small town and I'm just going to want to pull teeth and do implants, things like that. And so they might choose a different program because of that. But, um, a lot of the time it's like split by weeks. So like, let's say 
uh, oral surgeries will take oral surgery will take like facial trauma for the first like two weeks of a month and then plastics or ENT will take the next two weeks and so if that accident happens in like the first two weeks then it just it just automatically goes to oral surgery it's not like okay. an accident happens and the hospital calls up all three specialties and like hey which one of you wants this it's just yeah. it just goes to oral surgery or plastics is over on that day and then if they need to consult the other specialties they'll call them in as well interesting it just makes me think of like I don't know that scenario makes me think of like uh a lot of police officers, for example, it's like, okay, are you the police officer that just likes to pull over people and write speeding tickets? Right. Or are you going to go into the bank that's being robbed right now and mess with the dude that's got the guns? Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, oh, you take this Very one. Very drastic, <laughs> like two separate routes. Right, right. Oh, well, thanks for sharing uh, information about that because, yeah, I mean, this is all, all new to me. Um, all right, so your fourth year in dental school. Um, what's your daily schedule look like right now as a fourth year dental student? Uh, fourth year is very chill when you're at home, but then when you're at school, it's, it's pretty hectic. So basically dental schools, uh, your first two years, it's very heavy didactic. So a lot of like anatomy, um, and then you start going into like the dental didactics, which is just like a whole new world. Cause in college, when you major in like biology, things like that, it's just, it's stuff that you've like heard about before. But, uh, when you're like doing didactics, about like occlusion in dental school it's just like things you have you have no idea about so the first two years are pretty hard uh and then the third year because iowa iowa is blessed with having a dental school with almost all the specialties in dental school or in, in dentistry uh so you spend a couple weeks in each rotation uh so you spend like 10 weeks doing operative uh and uh, pediatrics and then you go through oral surgery, you go through oral diagnosis, you go through uh, endo, like root canals, periodontics, like uh, the gum doctor, mm-hmm. uh, and then like pros, prosthodontics, which is like dentures and crowns and things like that. And then uh, fourth, and there you're still doing didactics. So third, second and third year are usually regarded as some of the harder years and end of first year. And then fourth year is usually pretty chill. Uh, we get basically a pool of patients uh, and then whatever need they they have, we'll just take care of as a as a fourth year student. So you're kind of like a general practitioner. Um, so yeah, I just go to school, I see my patients, and then do any lab work that I need to do, and then I'm home for the day, no studying or anything like that, which is nice. That's sweet. Yeah, it's nice. So what brings you? So why do you want to be at the gym at four thirty in the morning? Because you beat me to the gym a lot of days. <laughs> I I come in rolling at like four thirty five, four forty, and Jacob's already in there, and he's probably got fifty pull ups in the book. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I just I've just always been uh, an early bird ever since like middle school. I just remember getting up early and I just take long showers in middle school. Like I get up and I take like a two hour shower. In the <laughs> oh morning. my god, my <laughs> parents would be so yeah. mad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I've always been an early bird. And, uh, in college, like swimming, swim practice, we'd have two days of mornings, uh, Monday and Thursday mornings. So it started like five thirty. Uh, and then we have practice in the afternoons every day. Uh, and I've kind of always been somebody who, uh, and in high school too, all the practices were in the afternoon. And I've kind of always been somebody who's who likes to have a good physique. Uh, I've always followed bodybuilding uh, pretty closely as well. And so uh, the mornings are just my time to lift because after school is practice. And so mm-hmm. I just get up every morning um, and lift. And now I just like, I like getting in long workouts. So what time do you go to bed in order to get up that early? Um, 
when my girlfriend's visiting, like 10, I go to bed at 10 or 11, but if I'm by myself, I'm usually out by like 8.30 or so. Gotcha. Same. <laughs> yeah, you'll be able to, yeah, I feel like, well, yeah, I, it's really hard for me to stay up past nine o'clock anymore these days. Like, it's nice when you can uh, get into your bedroom light and shut off the phone, TV and stuff and start that sleep at 8.30 when you're up that early in the morning. Um, so what training program are you following right now? Do you write your own programming or is there a, uh, structured program that you're following from something that you've seen online? Yeah, no, I write all my own workouts. Um, I just, yeah, I like when I like do my cardio and things like that, I'll watch a lot of workout, uh, videos and things like that and just try and learn, uh, from all that. But uh, I really just figure, you know, whatever my goal is, if I just keep doing the same thing over and over again and progressively make it harder, it's eventually I'm going to end up where I want to end up. So um, one thing we also alluded to earlier is that you've accomplished a uh, triple Ironman. Um, was this your first ultra race or take us back to when you first started doing these types of hardcore events like what drew you into that or like when your first iron man was kind of yeah for you yeah so started way back in like i know in grade school i wanted to run my first uh i knew my mom was running a half marathon and i wanted to run like the dam to dam with her uh but she said i had to wait i think in either until middle school or high school i forget which one um but then, because I've always been kind of a runner, and then I did my first marathon my sophomore year of, of high school. Um, oh. That one I didn't train for because I was a cross-country <laughs> runner. I thought it would be easy. But that, that took me like five and a half hours because my ankles started swelling up, oh my like mile eight. Um, and then uh, I did my first Ironman my sophomore year of, of college. Wow. Um, that was the first triathlon I did as well. Uh, it's just my, my teammates told me that I couldn't do it because my coach had done one and I was like, I could do that. Uh, it's like, no, you can't. Cause I was a sprinter in college and I was also a little heavier. I was probably about two thirty or so. Um, and I was like, I, I could do that. And so, uh, I just found the one that was during the summer, uh, in Boulder, Colorado. And I signed so up. So elevation like, too. Yeah. Yeah. Was, <laughs> oh I think it was in like. I think it was like early June is when it was, and I signed up, uh, I think in like February or something like that, is right at the end of, of swim season, so I was like, okay, I'll just take my swimming uh, mm -hmm. through, and so that was that was nice, and then uh, I would just, I'd bike on stick, because I don't, I don't own a bike of my own, I just, uh, I borrow my older brothers for competitions or anything like that, and so I just did stationary biking in the gym. Uh, in the afternoons and when I was in swimming and then uh yeah I went out and did it uh, I had a buddy in Colorado Springs so he was a teammate and so I went there a week early and his dad was in the Air Force and so they let me on the on the base up there which is I think Boulder was at like 6600 and Colorado Springs was at like 7700 feet um but I, I ran one lap around the the Air Force track the first day I got there I was like Oh my goodness! What did I get myself into? I was, just, I was dead, but it it turned out okay. And then, yeah. So uh, how uh, how heavy were you when you on race day? 
of the Ironman. Yeah, because you said you were 230 yeah. when your teammates said you couldn't do it. So this was around, what, January, February, because that's when yeah. you said you signed up. So 230 then. What what did you compete at? Do you remember? I don't know exactly what I competed at, but I know during the summers in general, uh, I would do, I'd do like a bulking and cutting phase. So uh, probably worked out with my cut. I was probably close to 200, 190 mm-hmm. is my guess. So, I mean, these are some of the questions that I had for you, I guess, leading up to this, to your triple Ironman story, but, um, did you change your diet at all for, for this training block? Uh, not really my diet. Uh, I know. So I did a hundred mile ultra marathon, my D one year, the end of my D one year and that I changed my diet for a lot. Um, but then for the triple, uh, and that one didn't turn out so well. But for the triple, I was like, you know, let's just, let's not do any weird dieting. Let's just eat what I want to eat and, and train hard and not do any weightlifting, just do cardio. Mm. Uh, and then whatever pounds stay on or muscle stays on, stays on and whatever falls off, falls off. So, uh, so going back to your first Ironman, everything went pretty smoothly for it out in Colorado. You, com- you completed it and mm-hmm. walked yeah. away without any injuries and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that one went well. So I, I think I, it was like eleven hours and fifty some minutes or something like that. Um, but yeah, swimming went well, biking went really well, and then the, the most of the problem with the running from the first marathon that I did was it was a trail race, and so it's kind of uneven. But uh, the Ironman was all flat, flat paved ground, so it's nice. So what did your teammates say after you walked out of there with the uh, Ironman uh, medal? <laughs> Uh, I forget, but I know, I know I was definitely probably, uh, soaking it in, I know, but they, they actually got me back. Uh, my coach put me in, uh, cause when I was going around for colleges for, for swimming, I was like, Hey, like I'll swim for you guys, but I don't, I don't do the butterfly because growing up, I just, I never could do the two arm butterfly. And so I was like, if you, if you make me swim butterfly, I'm going to swim one arm fly in practice. Uh, and so my coach put me in the 200 butterfly for one meet mm. uh, and I was not able to finish that. And so they, <laughs> and like, it got memed on, like it got passed oh, around shoot. the like MIAA, like conference, like Wheaton college, oh their swim team put it to like music and everything like that. It was, it was funny. That's funny. Yeah. So, um, what did you take away from, so was the trail ultra that you did, was that pretty much the reason why that was kind of a struggle since it wasn't on pavement it was the, like the terrain that got to here what uh what set you back on the ultra marathon yeah so the the ultra marathon i think it was sort of just the lack of training <laughs> it's just uh basically I, I it was like january it was probably like one or two o'clock in the morning and i was studying uh, and i was just kind of depressed and i was like yeah i should do an ultra marathon uh, and so I just found one during the summer that uh, worked out with my dental school schedule, and it, it happened to be in, like, Kansas. Uh, I didn't really think about how hot it was going to be. Um, but, yeah, I signed up, and, again, I was probably around 220, 230 pounds. Uh, and so I did cut down, and I cut down to about 180 because uh, that was the goal. Uh, but I did it. I, I did a 10-mile run. I did another 10 mile run a week later and then I did a 20 mile run uh, and then my ankles and my knees and my shins just started hurting. And so I was like, 
you know, maybe I'm just not going to run and I'm just going to cut weight. So then I just, uh, yeah, got on the elliptical every morning and I, I basically did a bodybuilding cut. I just, uh, yeah, tried to keep on as much muscle as I possibly could because I just, I don't like losing, losing muscle. And then, uh, basically just did elliptical. And then a month before I did, uh, cause the, the time limit on the hundred miles is 36 hours. So then I just did a 36 hour elliptical, uh, and then oh just called it good. And then, uh, yeah, it was just so hot during that, that, uh, that ultra marathon is like 110 degrees. Uh, and my feet, I have like video, but the bottoms of both of my feet were literally just one giant blister. Oh, oh I lost about six toenails. My pinky toes on both feet had blisters that under blisters, under blisters that popped like three different times. It was, my dad was scared I was going to die of sepsis and it was, it was brutal. Like my whole, I didn't wear, so I thought I saw that runners like didn't wear compression shorts that often. But that's because they have skinny legs, so their thighs don't rub on each other. But I didn't know that at the time, <laughs> so I didn't wear compression shorts. I just wore Too running like shorts. They're probably bleeding. Yeah, my my inner thighs and everything was just chafed. Oh my god! It was it was terrible. My ankles were terrible. My knees were terrible. It was so hot. <laughs> I did it. And yeah, you finished yeah. it. Yeah. So at yeah. what mile mark was all of this starting to really hit you? First blister I remember was mile 40. And then it all went downhill. And uh, I remember my mom. So they don't have any mile markers. It's just like spray, like green spray paint every 10 miles maybe. Uh, and I rem- at, at night, you can't see it. So you don't, you don't know how far along you are. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember my mom texting me, and there's there's supposed to be water at mile 75 for you. And my, I remember my mom texting me like, "Hey, you're at mile 75, like keep going." I was, and I was like losing my mind at the time. I was like, "No, mom, I'm not at mile 75. Don't tell me that." Because then, like two hours later, when I reach mile 75, it's just so disheartening. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I remember again, it was like three in the morning. You're going through the countryside of like Kansas, you know, so there's like nothing around you except for like farmland. And there's just bone chilling, like coyote sounds. Like, just you're going it sound, by yourself, yeah, right? And it oh, sounded God. like there's just a huge pack of coyotes probably like a mile away. And I, I just like, your mind just starts going to weird places yeah. when you're, when you're like 70, 80 miles in. Like, okay, hey, I'm about to get hours. eaten. Yeah. But, um, so do you do like, Interval, like, do you walk and then jog, or like, how do you? So that oh, one, I just decided, you know, I'd run as far as I can and then I'd walk. Uh, so I ended up running the first 40, 40 miles, uh, and then walking slash hobbling the last sixty or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, remember in high school, we had a motivational speaker for our basketball team, and he shared his experience about his one hundred mile race, and he said that he duct taped his feet. Have you ever heard of that before? Uh, he like would duct tape his toes and his feet just so he wouldn't get, I guess the hardcore blisters that you were talking about. Yeah. I heard of people like, I know David Goggins in his book said he like duct taped his feet to okay. cut off circulation. Mm. So he will not feel anything. 
and I know some people do do weird things to to help with their blisters, but were you just old school socks and shoes, or yeah, I was. Well, I was socks and shoes without a change of socks and shoes. I should. Yeah, that's I what should. I was wondering. I was like, yeah. can someone meet you and we can like change your shoes? Well, yeah, you have a you have a crew that follows you basically or goes ahead of you. So like, I had my my old swim coach um, and her daughter, and then my mom, my little sister, and my little brother uh, came to support me, and so. They'd be driving a car, and I'd say, okay, like, pull ahead one mile, and they'd pull ahead a mile, and then I'd okay. run to them. Uh, but I just, I don't do a lot of research on the events, <laughs> which I sh- probably should. But, yeah, I didn't bring a change of clothes, didn't bring a change of shoes or socks or anything like that. So, But you still got it done. So what were some of the things you were telling yourself? Like, what was your self-talk like? Um, so I was actually pretty negative. Like, I was... <laughs> I was listening to uh, David, because that was the first time when I signed up, somebody told me about David Goggins, uh, one of my friends, and he's like, yo, you should listen to his book. And so I downloaded the book, and I was going to listen to it on the the run. Uh And probably about an hour or two into the book, I was just like, I, I got to stop listening to this because he just makes me feel like a piece of crap. <laughs> so it's like, I'm, I'm thinking this 100 miles is hard, and he's, he's out here doing all this crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, a lot of the time it's just, it's really just trying to get into the flow state. So I know you, you kind of talked about this the other day in the gym when you're doing your thousand step ups, mm-hmm. whatever, after you get through like the first, first little bit of any workout, you kind of just, you get into this trance where, uh, you hope you just don't wake up from it till the end. But yeah, that's exactly how I would describe it. You know, I was the first 200 reps were just like, you know, kind of crappy thinking about all oh, how much I have left, but like the last 800 just felt like not as bad in a way. Yeah. Just cause I was just kind of in a weird zone. Just kind of steady going through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of that was at least the running portion. A lot of the, that first 40 miles, I was just kind of in, in like this trance. Um, and you know, you just try and keep one, one foot in front of the other. Uh, and then the last 60 or so, I know, the last like eight months, like the closer you get to the end, just like on a road trip or anything like that, it just seems like the farther and farther away it is and the longer and longer it takes. And so it's really, it's really at the end of the races where I think the mental, mental aspect comes in the most where you just got to, you got to keep sane and you got to keep realizing that, okay, you know, every little step is, is bringing you forward there. And you, um, at least for me, the more I pay attention to like the mileage, then the worse it is. So you just got to get it out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Were you uh, nervous at all or concerned about, um, like, did you ever look at your feet or were you um, done with the race before you noticed the bottoms of your feet were just shot? I never looked at the bottoms of my feet, but I did have to take off my shoes multiple times just to try and put band-aids on, uh, on the blisters. Because every time my pinky toes would pop, it was just the pain was terrible. And so I'd have to like stop and, and like take off the skin and put a bandaid on and everything. Wow. But Deidre, does this make you want to do an ultra marathon? Absolutely not. <laughs> I can confidently say I will never be doing one of those in my life. So, uh, when you get done with this, um, did you have anything else in between, uh, that ultra and the triple Ironman? Uh, no, like special events. I was basically just lifting and, yeah, just lifting, doing a little bit when of When was the triple Ironman? Uh, it was like three weeks ago or so. Okay. Or about a month ago now, I think. 
Okay. So the time between, so you're saying that the, the ultra that you did was year two of dental school? Uh, the, yeah, it was in between the first and second year of dental school. Okay. So we got about two and a half years between mm-hmm. those two. So before we talk about the triple, um, I kind of want to pick your brain about, you know, you've, you've talked about these cuts that you've done. Um, is one of your goals just to kind of carry a lot of muscle, like just year round? Yeah, it's just, it's more of a sort of like self-confidence image thing. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, ever since like, uh, basically end of high school, early college, I've always just been that, that jacked Asian guy. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of just been my image basically. And, uh, for better or for worse, I, I enjoy that. And like, I, I like having a, a decent physique and, and keeping muscle and being able to, uh, to be strong and things like that. So, did you have any influences that you led you down to the bodybuilding path? Definitely my older brother. Uh, he was, he's still is uh, pretty into bodybuilding, and uh, so it's you know I'm just a, a competitive little brother, mm-hmm. uh, and so I just you know want to keep up with him. Um, but other than that, like uh, I really like. I mean, everybody who follows bodybuilding likes Chris Bumstead. Okay. So you know, Sebum, I like him, but. Other than that, it's really just trying to make myself look better and things like that. Right on. And uh, lately you've been on a calisthenics kick. I know you've shared with me some of your goals with that. So uh, why don't you tell our audience some of the things you've been working on? Yeah, so uh, I have some goals for this year. I want to be able to do a one-arm pull-up. I want to be able to do uh, a good, clean uh, muscle-up, like a a slow one. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... Uh, I want to do a front lever and uh, a planche. So what's a planche? It's like when they they balance on their hands. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, so th- those are my goals. Right I wonder now. if Ben, ben can, can do that's my first thought. Any like... of that stuff. I mean, the bar. So he's so it's just so our audience knows. Um, because they're thinking, oh, well, the slow muscle up that ain't too hard. He's talking about on a bar, um, which is a lot more difficult because you have to go around the bar for a slow strict muscle up, whereas the rings you kind of pass through it. Um, Not as difficult in my opinion, but some of the other things are very difficult. I wonder if Ben has ever tried like a planche or I bet he, the front lever, he he can do some of that stuff. I don't know if you ever met Coach Ben. Uh, I think he was the very, I think I met him the very first day, like beard and everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. Dark hair. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he was an all American gymnast for the Hawkeyes and really, yep. Uh, so yeah, he can do he some can pretty do crazy stuff. Yeah. He basically can run on his hands and yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's badass with all that stuff. So if you ever need to pick somebody's brain about okay. how to move your body through space, it's that guy. Yeah. Okay. Especially with like balancing and type yeah. stuff like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he could do all those things. <sighs> yeah. He, yeah. Um, I wouldn't put it past him, you know, right. and, 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 uh, he, I, he certainly would be able to give you some drills and some feedback on, you know, Hey, think about this while you're trying to do that, that maneuver yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'd, he'd give you some really good cues okay. with your yeah. preparation. Yeah. So awesome. Um, Thank you. If you ever catch him. Yeah. He's the guy to chat with about that. Um, all right. So you, so right now you're walking around at, at two thirty. No, I'm probably like two ten, two fifteen ish. Okay. All right. Yeah. So. When, let's say you're getting onto this bulking phase, what does a day of eating look like for you? Uh, well, bulking and cutting was more college and early dental school. Uh, right now, I've kind of been doing more research and kind of leaning into 
Uh, well, I don't know if you guys watch Greg Duchette online or anything like that. He's a, he's like a YouTuber. Uh, I watch a lot of him and more plates, more dates. Um, but is so, he for is he like a specialist with with nutrition or with, uh, with strength building. training with bodybuilding? Bodybuilding, okay. and he's got like a, a master's in like nutrition or kinesiology, something like that. Okay. Um, but he he's uh, basically a bodybuilding coach, IFBB pro, um, and uh, did natural bodybuilding for a while, and then uh, obviously went on to enhanced, um, but. Uh, yeah, he does, he does a lot of preaching about like main gaining, which is where instead of like bulking up to like 20, 25% body fat, you know, you just stay right around wherever is the best for you to gain muscle. Cause even when you're at 20, 25% body fat, like it's, it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Like when you're in the gym and things like that, it just, you don't feel healthy cause you're, you're not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I like to stay around 10 to 15% body fat and then, uh, drop drop down if I need to from like going to a beach or something like that. But then you don't have to do like three months of of a terrible right. cut. So, so I still want you to walk us through. Uh, let's start with what you're eating right now. Okay. How that would change if you wanted to drop ten to fifteen? Okay. If okay. you you know let's say you had a beach vacation, uh-huh. and then let's say back in the days when you were bulking, okay. how it was different then. So yeah. what what uh, what's your maintenance right now? Uh, maintenance right now. So I will come home from the gym, uh, and then, uh, depend if I do cardio. So I do cardio on Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Uh, so if I do cardio, then I'll have, uh, a protein smoothie with like strawberries, banana, mangoes, uh, pineapple, and then two to three scoops of protein powder, and then just water and blend it up. Uh, and that'll be my breakfast. And then lunch uh, could be, I don't know, either like two or three chicken breasts or like 24 egg whites and spinach. 24 uh, egg whites. That's a lot. I eat, I eat a whites. lot of eggs and egg whites. That's awesome. Uh, you don't get burned out from it? No, I love eggs. <laughs> I love My eggs man. Eggs. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I got burned out when I like lived at school over the summer and I would just eat so many eggs because it was so easy and cheap and now it's like I gotta back off a little bit I eat so many eggs my D1 year uh, to save time I got into eating raw eggs and that was when I was bulking and I ate 60 raw eggs in one day it was my max holy shit (laughs) I just I popped 12 in a cup put some Cajun seasoning and you just drink it oh I don't think I like that texture have you done any research? Like, is there like any negatives to that? Uh, like, know, aren't like uncooked egg whites salmonella risk? Or... Yeah, there's a salmonella risk, uh, and uh, I know if you if you take like biotin supplements and things like that, then don't take them with eggs. Uh, I think there's a protein called like avidin or something in in eggs that will bind up your biotin and your diet. Uh, and so you'll, you'll be deficient, hmm. uh, but just take your biotin supplements at a different time. Gotcha. 60 eggs in a day. Yeah. yeah that, that was when I was bulking. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So rewinding a little bit, uh, I don't want to get us too off track. That's awesome. You're smashing eggs. They get a bad rap. I mean, people think that eggs are like, uh Oh, don't eat too many eggs. But I think that's like been debunked by a lot of people. I mean, they're like nature's vitamin. Yeah, I think oh, because the people say the cholesterol is right. bad. Yeah, I think it definitely depends on on just uh, how you respond to them. Because I know people have shown me 
like blood work on YouTube and things like that where they they do their strict dieting and they add eggs in mm -hmm. and it doesn't change while other people will do dieting and then they add like two eggs in and their their LDL goes through the roof. Mm -hmm. So it it definitely like obviously depends on the person. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's like that for most things. Um wow. All right. So so 24 egg whites and spinach for lunch. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. proceed. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then I'll, I'll usually have, like, coffee or anything like that, and then I'll go back to school. And then I come home, uh, and then uh, I'll usually have, like, a smaller shake. So I'll usually just do, like, uh, like frozen strawberries and then one scoop of strawberry um, uh, protein powder. And then I'll have, I'll add, like, creatine in there. Uh, and then I'll go to the gym and work out with my buddy, uh, Sarus. He's a, he's a dental student. So then I go work out with him and then I come home and I'll have more chicken breasts or egg whites or anything like that. Or, uh, if I, if I'm craving something sweet, I'll have like Greek yogurt with, uh, some jam and protein powder. Awesome. That is a, that's a great, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to say it. it's, yeah. it's working for you. Yeah. That is not the most sustainable thing I would say our listeners should try to right. replicate. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think all of you listening by now have an idea that we have a pretty uh, unique person on the podcast that is, it, he's doing what so many people like won't even fathom to do, mm -hmm. whether it's something physically, um, your diet, I mean, is predominantly the whole foods, mm -hmm. clean fruits and vegetables. I mean, so that part's awesome. You're just taking it to a level that, I mean, I didn't really, I've never really heard of before, like with, um, with so the, the eggs. eggs in particular, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, I mean, I know how good eggs are for you in my opinion. I think they're, I think they're awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to open up like a bag of worms with anybody if you're an egg hater. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just think, I think that's great, dude. Um, keep on keeping on with, with, with what you got going nutrition. So that being your maintenance, um, what does... Let's start with the bulking. What would you do when you're trying to add on a few pounds? So bulking in college was fun because uh, the cooks got to know me pretty well. Uh, basically, in the mornings after swim practice, uh, I'd go. They had like this big giant thing of boiled eggs. Mm -hmm. So I'd just take twenty of them and I eat twenty <laughs> whole boiled eggs. That's amazing. Would you like? Do you like salt them or are you just consume? Yeah, salt and pepper. Okay. But that after I did that for like two days, one of the lunch ladies was like, "Hey, you can't, you can't be taking all those, all those <laughs> eggs." Left for everyone else. Yeah, and so I was like, "Well, they're here, aren't they?" She's like, "I'll make you your own plate." So then every morning I come in and she'd have a plate of like twenty boiled eggs for me, oh which was really nice. Wow. Uh, Have you ever seen the movie yeah. or The Replacements? Football uh -huh. movie? Uh -huh. There's a funny scene on there where um, a sumo wrestler has a bowl, like a big mixing bowl full of hard-boiled eggs, uh -huh. and he's just slamming them before <laughs> a football game. And his coach is like, who the hell eats eggs before a game? He's like, come on, coach, this is to bulk up. <laughs> it's, it's like the, That's the only thing I can think of right now is like, dude, slamming eggs like this guy I remember in this movie. You know, uh, if they were deviled eggs, I could put... More of them down. Yeah, it got bland, but uh, yeah, that's what I did. And then uh, at lunch, uh, there's this cook called Sunshine, uh, and I don't even know what she'd put in it, but basically, I'd just go up and she'd make this big bowl of like grilled chicken, quinoa, kale, 
uh, like mushrooms and things like that for me. And it was, it was giant. And I, I swear every month it'd just get bigger and bigger until I had to tell her, I was like, hey, you know, you can cut, cut this down, down a little bit. bit. You know, I'm here for like two hours trying to finish this thing. Um, and then at dinner, there's like a, a taco bar. So I go uh, fill my plate up with like rice, beans, chicken, beef, pork, uh, and like uh, fajita vegetables, things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so that was my bulk. And then uh, sprinkling like post-workout uh, protein, things like that. Meat and yeah. veggies, people. You're hearing it from uh, our man Jacob. Meat and veggies. Yeah, pretty much. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, who Greg Glassman is, but he was the founder of CrossFit, and uh, CrossFit's you know first focus is nutrition, and mm-hmm. uh, he always says eat meat and veggies, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar, and so just trying to make a point here that uh, Jacob. Big uh, meat eater and vegetables in his diet, which is super good, no matter if you're trying to gain weight or uh, lose weight. Tell us how you would cut a few pounds, Jacob. Uh, basically, I go keto, essentially. Uh, so just uh, in the mornings, it switch to egg whites instead mm. of things. But now, if, if I'm going to do a cut now, it's, it's intermittent fasting with keto. Mm. So in the mornings, just black coffee. Uh, lunch, usually black coffee. And then uh, at dinner, it'd just be a big, big thing of like egg whites, spinach, chicken, uh, things like that. And then pretty much cutting out the fruit in your smoothies and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel like, you know, if you're doing intermittent fasting and you want to work out? Uh, In the mornings? Yeah. Yeah. So then I don't, I kind of do intermittent fasting, but not really. I just, I work out uh, and then... I'll have like two scoops of protein powder and then I won't eat anything until, until right before I go to bed. Okay. Just want to make another Glassman. Since we are a CrossFit podcast, Glassman would always say, off the carbs, off the couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what Jacob is essentially doing yeah. when, you know, when he's thinking about a cut. So it's like people like in large part, you know, start CrossFit. They think this, okay, I want to lose weight being one of their primary goals and Glassman would say, off the carbs, off the couch. So you heard it from our dude. That's one way to do it. Um, and obviously, the things he was cutting out were still pretty clean, but they still do carry carbohydrates, which you heard him say he was you know, wanting to go keto. Mm-hmm. Um, and that diet is you're removing carbohydrates from your diet and um, you know, eventually getting into ketogenesis and relying on ketones for energy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome, dude. Well, that's really cool. You're able to, you know be so disciplined with not only your training, but with your nutrition. I mean, that is, you know, I think, you know, more important, um, and a lot more difficult for most people. Um, what are some of the things that help you just stay on the war path with nutrition? Uh, definitely cheat days. Uh, like, uh, when my girlfriend's visiting or anything like that, I definitely just, you know, try and, uh, relax a little bit. Uh, or if a friend wants to go out to eat or anything like that. It's just like I, my diet is strict enough. My workouts are hard enough where it's just like, you know, I'm not going to freak out if I do have a cheat day or anything like that. Uh, and I try and have that strict diet so I can have a cheat day when like a friend wants to go out or anything like that. Um, but other than that, a lot of it is just, you know, it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I can work out harder and like I can have a good physique things like that it's just you know I, I don't I don't like the way I feel if I'm if I'm not like that 
Yeah. Um, how often do those meals come around? Like when you say you want to have a cheat meal, like how often do you get to see your girlfriend or how often are we talking like your friends going out? Cause I just, I think this is a good point for people to know. Like, you know, when people think of, Oh, like a cheat day, I think they include them in the regimen a little bit too often. So I just, I'm kind of curious mm-hmm. to see how often they come up with you. Yeah. So I think, there's a difference between like a cheat day and a cheat meal mm-hmm. too. Cause like a cheat day, it's just like, I, I think you're a lot of time for cheat days. It's like, you're, you're kind of working so hard and like putting so much stuff off. It, it borders on bulimia. At least when I did cheat days, it was, it was close to that. It was where I was like, it's like you're dieting so hard. And then when you have a cheat day, it's like, you know, I got to have everything like I possibly binging, can. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so cheat meals, I'd probably say, once a week mm-hmm. like uh while i'm cutting it, it's definitely not that much if i was doing a cut but as i as i'm like main gaining uh once a week maybe once every two weeks um like the the guy who just called me he wants to go out to eat tonight i'll, I'll not go out to eat with them it'll be fine mm-hmm. um but yeah it's really just whenever they come around my girlfriend uh she's in germany uh, so she's a German MD PhD student, so she, she doesn't come around often. Uh, but when she does, it's for like two months at a time, three months at a time. So that's exactly what I thought you were going to say. Um, so when you add up like your meals of the day, I mean, you're probably eating what, three to four meals a day, maybe five. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and you multiply that by seven days a week. So you're thinking 30 to 35 meals. You're only having a cheap meal like two or three of those meals of the week or maybe even less than that. So that's just something I kind of want to point out to people because I think people get lost in thinking that, oh, I had a, you know, a chicken breast and, you know, some veggies for lunch today. So I've been eating really good. And then, you know, they forget, oh, actually for breakfast I had donuts and coffee. And then for dinner I had cheeseburgers, fries, and a shake. And then the next day like it repeats itself. But, you know, when you're trying to you know, steer people down the right path. Like you just want to think about the ratios really dominating on one side, that being like your whole foods, nutritious foods and, and stuff like that. So, uh, thanks for sharing. Um, all right. And, and just to rewind a little bit, what did you say your girlfriend does in Germany? She's an MDGP PhD, uh, MD PhD, MD PhD. Okay. Uh, So we met when she was over here, uh, doing research for a PhD. And now she she went back and she's got two years left of med school. So she's from Germany. She's from Germany. Okay. Oh wow. Have you gone over there? I go over there December seventeenth. Cool. So. Mm-hmm. Neat. All right. Uh, so I mean, this can. I think this is a good time to change gears back to the performance side of things and uh, tell us about the training for your triple Ironman. What did that look like? Yeah. So. Um... I signed up, I think, in in February, uh, and then basically because it was cold out, I would run Tuesday mornings and do stair stepper uh, Saturday morning. So I'd run for two hours in the morning on Tuesday mornings, and then stair stepper for two hours on Saturday, and then I just did my normal lifting. Uh, just to help get my cardio and I, I make sure I ran on an incline. So I'd run at like 7.5, uh, incline. Um, uh, and then once it started getting warmer out, uh, about three months, three months before my, uh, the triple, I cut out all lifting. Um, 
and then I just I'd wake up at four in the morning. I'd go for a run uh, until uh, the gym opened at five thirty, and then I'd go uh, and either swim for an hour or two hours, depending on when I had class or I had to see patients. Or I would I would bike. There's a biking class that I did for forty five minutes, and then I'd bike on my own. Uh, and then on long days or like on, on weekends, if I didn't have any studying or anything to do, um, then I would go for like an eight hour bike ride, uh, things like that. Um, but then on Labor Day, which I think was like a month and a half or like five weeks before the event, I, I did a 48 hour workout that weekend. So started Saturday at noon, uh, I swam 10 miles in the pool and then that took me till I think like six in the six at night. I hopped on a stationary bike. Hang on, when did you say you started your swim? Uh, noon. Noon. So we have a friend. Uh, his name is Street. He said he did a ten k swim. Uh, oh really? Not longer. Yeah, you didn't see that on Instagram. He's. I think it was in the this. I mean, I know it was his previous summer, or this this summer. Yeah. And I forget how long he said that took him, but he did a ten mile swim. Yeah. So wow. how do you like? Do you? stop at all like during it and get out of the pool and like mm-hmm. get some water get like a snack or like and yep. you wear headphones during it or is it just, no it's just no. quiet okay. it's just quiet so i like grew up swimming you know so it's just like you're kind of used to hearing the sound of just water and looking at a black line for two hours so yeah i just i swam i it was a little more than than 10 miles because uh i wanted to swim like 10 actual miles and with the pool you have your flip turn so i swam i i consider it because a mile is in yards is is what 1760 i think yards yep. uh so i just put it at 2k as as actual swimming it would be like about a mile of swimming mm-hmm. so i did it was a 20k swim um and then sorry street then you know street you still did <laughs> he doubled it sorry <laughs> um but yeah and then i stopped at 10k and had, that was my first break because I figured once I stopped, you know, I would want to keep start. stopping. Yeah, yeah. I uh, So I stopped at 10K and then had a Red Bull and some protein bars. Uh, and then I stopped at 15K uh, and then I stopped at 20K. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. <sighs> I feel like such a little bitch now. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> We're, so we, yeah. we swim once a week on Thursdays. Okay. Um, For like an hour. Yeah, we'll do some drills, you know, like just some different drills. And we we accumulate about 1,500 yards okay. in volume, and which is a lot for us. Yeah, Compared like, to, uh, in the past, we, we didn't really do any swimming. Um, but uh, this past season at the games, you know, we had a, a swim test and whatnot. And oh, okay. Hopefully, if we get back there, you know, we want to be able to improve upon uh, mm-hmm. that. And, and so it's been, it's been good for us. I mean, our swimming's definitely improved, and... So, but it's just like so eye-opening to hear about yeah. what you know real swimmers can, can right. come to the pool. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So you get through training camp. Um, the, who's going? Who's your team? Who's going with you to the to this race? Uh, basically, whoever can. Uh, my mom came. Uh, my girlfriend flew back from Germany to come. Uh, my little sister likes to come because she likes to post on like TikTok and Instagram, and she gets. She gets some followers from it, um, and then I had I had my my best friend from high school came and he decided to kind of tailgate it. He came, he came like the last last uh, twenty four hours or so, and 
Uh, I think his stats were like, he said my stats. He like he had a funny Instagram post. It was like you know Jake's stats like. 25 peanut butter and jellies, like 336 mile bike, 78.6 mile run, 7.2 swim. And it was like Mason, one bottle of tequila, like two, <laughs> two high noons, things like that. So he came um, and, and that was it. Yeah. So just, my, and then normally I try and get my swim coach, my old swim coach to come. Uh, but she was busy. She is now uh, the triathlon coach for Central College at Pella. Okay. So I think they had like their national meet or national qualifier that that day. So were you ner- were you nervous? You know, before this. Oh yeah. This race. Yeah, like uh, it was definitely before. Same with the hundred miles and the Ironman. Just like you know, I I tell tell myself that you know i can do this and it's all all mental but just like the months leading up to it it's just it's like if i think about it before bed i know i'm not getting any sleep that night so Mm -hmm. uh it definitely scares me uh it makes me very nervous when i do these events because it's it's kind of like you know people expect you to finish but a lot of the time it's just you know you you have no idea if you can finish it Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of my buddies has done, like, a couple, I don't remember if it's, like, triathlon or Ironmans, but, like, he, I think he's done three, and the first two, he would, like, wake up in the hospital, because he wouldn't be able to complete it. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was I like was, why do you keep doing this? I was very scared, like, it's just, yeah, because it's, I don't know, I have this sort of hypothesis that you can always put one foot in front of the other, and you can always push the pedal down one more stroke. And so to me, if it's like, if I fail, it's not because I couldn't do it. It's just because mentally I couldn't take it. And so that's what scares me the most. It's like, you know, what if, what if I'm not as mentally strong as I thought I was? And so, so wait, when was, when was your Ironman again? Your first one? Uh, sophomore year of college. College, And then this was, so. Sophomore year of college was Ironman and then his D. Between his D1 and D2 was the ultra. Ultra. And so D4 then, is Do you think you triple. waited to do like the triple or do like another big event like this to like when you felt like you had more time with school or like kind of? Yeah, it was, it was a little of that, but it's also just a little, I don't really think of myself as like a, an ultra athlete. Like I, I think of myself as somebody who likes lifting and likes fitness. And then when I get bored, then I sign then, up for okay. a. For an ultra event just because i like the the mental challenge and mm-hmm. the mental aspect gotcha what uh i mean how do, how do you balance like what you had to do for school i mean you kind of talk like school ain't no thing right now i mean you're in a you're in a, like a grad <laughs> program and you're 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 you know putting in early hours in the gym you know training you're talking about you go back to the gym in the afternoon train with your friend um when do you study uh, well, right now school, school ain't no thing. Cause it's like, once you're at school, it's like, okay, you know, you're focused on the patient and you're focused on your lab work. But then once you're done, like, because we don't have any test, then okay. it's like, so it's like a job you go, yeah. you're there and then you can leave. But the first two years were, were brutal. First two years I was on the 11 to four sleep schedule. I'd sleep at 11 o'clock. I'd wake up at four and I'd go lift. I'd go to school and then I'd come home and uh, immediately I'd come home. I'd have my I'd have my twelve eggs and then I'd go to the library 
uh, which was like a two minute walk down the street, and I'd stay there till around ten thirty or so. I'd come home at eleven and sleep. Wow. So did you feel super run down? Then? Yeah. Because you're just hardly sleeping. Yeah, and it was just, terrible. Yeah. And then on the weekends, uh, I would take Thursdays off. Thursdays would be my relaxed day, and then Fridays I would study till twelve o'clock, and then sleep till six. Go back. No Saturday workout, and then I'd go back in to the library at six. Study till midnight. Go home Sunday. Get up at six, study till till eleven, and then go to bed. Wow. So when I'm listening to you describe, you know, your your schedule, it just it just makes me feel like our listeners have to find that confidence within themselves to, uh, you know, just remind themselves that they do have time to do some of the harder things in life, like cooking their own meals, making sure they get to the gym every day. Um, and, and balancing those things out because there is time of the day and you are living proof of that, that you're in the middle of dental school, you're still getting up at 4 a.m. to train. I know it's not something everybody really wants to do, but like you're just kind of portraying how, you know, you can do it. You can get through these long days and, um, you know, those things are possible. Um, so, all right, race day comes and what sort of things do you pack with you I mean, are there things that your team just takes with them? Like, you, what are you wearing right now for race day? Because the first thing you have to do is swim, right? Yeah, so first thing I did uh, swimming was, uh, you know, it was supposed to rain that day and rain that weekend, and it, and it did. Uh, so, uh, you know, I packed uh, two raincoats, uh, a lot of sweaters, a lot of, like, well, I had one like Under Armour, like tight compression thing, a couple uh, compression tights, two pairs of like biking shorts, two pairs of biking jerseys, uh, things like that. And so uh, for the swim, I had my, my wetsuit on um, and then I just had like a sweater and then a raincoat just to stay warm because it started at about 7 a.m. Uh, but we had to be there at like 6 to set everything up and check in. Where was this at, sorry? Uh, Virginia. Okay. Spotsylvania, Virginia, Lake Anna State Park. It was extremely beautiful. Nice. Uh, but it was, it was cold, the, at least for the start. It was raining. Uh, it was, like, dark out. And I don't I don't train, like, open water swimming just because ever since I was little I had, like, this, I don't know. I think it's it stems from, like, an unresolved fear of the dark, but I just can't do murky water. Like I lake, water, and rivers. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's it's different. It, yeah. When you can't see down, mm-hmm. like uh, you don't know what's right next. Yeah, to you. Exactly. I'm not a fan of that either. I'm yeah, not a fan. and so when I'm swimming in open water, I actually close my eyes when my goggles are in the water, and then I just open them when I breathe to see where I'm at. Um, wow. But yeah, so the swimming it was just down. Uh, they had a bunch of buoys and back, uh, and it was 18 laps of that. Um, so we did that, and then. At the end, at at the end where we started, you could actually touch uh, a little bit, and so they had like these buoys set up, these like rafts thing that were made for beer pong. So they had like ten individual slots on each end, uh, and then slots where you could set other cups. And so there you could put your like water bottles and your your Cliff bars and things like that, and your gels. Uh, so I had I had uh, Zoa a Zoa energy drink, a water bottle. Uh, and like six protein bars that I had there. Out floating in the water. Yeah, out floating in the water. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just swimming down and back. Uh, started getting light out. 
uh, probably for the first like 12 laps, I was chattering, like my teeth were <laughs> chattering and it was so cold. But uh, after I got those first 12 in the last six, we're cruising. And then uh, I had a terrible, terrible wetsuit burn. I think I still have a scar like back here on my neck from it. Um, but yeah, then I went and changed. Um, Is that from like the material or like was like Velcro that was like yeah, scratch, it's just the just your... material. Okay. So everybody gets it. Uh, I just, a lot of people will put like band-aids back there to prevent it or like tape or, mm -hmm. or body glide and things like that. Mm. Uh, again, just my lack of research coming to bite me in the butt. <laughs> but So how many miles is a triple? Uh, it's it a 7.2 mile swim. Okay. Uh, and so uh, I was actually the first one out of the water, which is surprising. I think it was like three and a half hours or so. Wow. Um, yeah, and then they that had that would like, be a cool feeling to be the first one out. Yeah, it was, do, you, it was do really they have cool. someone counting for you? Yeah, okay. so at the at the end after every lap, you you got to come up and tell them your number. Okay, uh, and they'll like write down and tell you how many laps you have left and things like that. It's more guys in the CrossFit Games. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so there was uh, an event where um, the individual CrossFitters had to had to bike a, a loop. And then they would go out and, and do some stuff and then bike or whatever. But they were responsible for keeping track of their own laps. Oh, like, yeah. So they had to count to like five. They had to count to five, yeah. but okay. there was a couple yeah. athletes that only would do four. That could count oh. to four. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, we'll mess up there. But, uh, all right, so you're, you're out of the water. And then next up is the bike, yeah? Yeah, so then uh, changed into like uh, tights and then biking shorts uh biking jersey and then I put on a sweater because it was just like you know, you're so cold after you get out of the water uh they had some showers there so I showered uh I think my transition time was probably like 20 30 minutes so I spent a lot of time in the shower trying to warm up mm -hmm. uh I don't know if you already said this did you say what the air, uh, air temperature was out there that day I think at that time it was probably 60s or 50s mm -hmm. uh somewhere in there I know I know it warmed up to probably in the 60s or 70s during the day but i i know i kept i had the the tights on and the biking shorts and compression uh under armor like compression shirt i had that on pretty much the whole bike uh, even when it got up to like the 60s and stuff like that during the day um but yeah we hopped on hopped on the bike um and then it was just a five mile bike loop that we did 66 times mm -hmm. it was five point something miles that we did 66 times wow. and it was I'd be like, can we get a little bit of a bigger route? I don't want to do this 66 times. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. And actually at the end of each turn, uh, it was, it was like at the, it wasn't like a loop either. It was like down and back. So you had like a hairpin turn at each end. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah. Were there any crashes? Um, I don't think so. No, there's only like 15 people uh, okay. doing it. So it wasn't like it, we were like all neck and neck Smushed. or anything like that yeah, yeah. so um, you you uh you said you borrow your brother's bike mm -hmm. is this a bike that you clip into or or do yeah I, okay yeah thank thank goodness too because um like at uh i was feeling pretty good uh and then i think like lap 44 or something like that uh my left knee started really hurt every time like i pushed down the pedal so then i, I switched to like pulling on the pedals for mm -hmm. the last 22 mm -hmm. laps or so but yeah, it was, I think the biking has always just been the hardest for me. I've never been a strong biker. So, so. so you make it sound so short. Oh, the last 22, that's, that's still 100 miles, right? Yeah, 110 <laughs> miles, yeah. Oh 
So from here to Des Moines, uh, my knee's starting to hurt, but <laughs> I'm going to improvise and start pulling <laughs> on the pedals. Pulling. No big deal. Yeah. And yeah, I'd, I'd say mentally, um, probably from like, uh, probably one in the morning to about three in the morning were definitely just the hardest. Uh, it was like 40 degrees and it was raining and it was, it was are you still on the bike at this point? Yeah, Still on the bike. So I, I got to remember you, you see the race started at seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and the swim took you what you said, three and a half hours. Three and a half hours. So then you're, let's see, you like did a 20 minute transition. Change, yeah. yeah. So you start the bike yeah. at what? 11 o'clock. Yeah. And so you're going from morning, 11 AM yeah. until one year. Yeah. Till like one I, PM. Is that you no? Said? This is one in the morning, so I'm still on the bike. At so you've been on the morning. bike for already 12, 13 hours. Yeah, I think the bike took me like twenty four hours or something like that. Holy shit! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> been on the bike for a whole day. Oh yeah. yeah. So go on and talk about so one a.m. to three p.m. So what was really? You said that was really hard. I'm just trying to put all this together and. Yeah. So during the day, it's. You know, you have you have the sunlight and everything, and everybody's like full of energy. You go through the and village, is what they call it, because uh, it's technically called like a triple and bill because it's not affiliated with the brand Iron Man. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's got to call it a triple I and bill. Um, but so you go through the and village, and you know everybody's there, everybody's awake, all the crews are awake. You know they're all cheering you on because it's not it's not really a race. I mean, people, you do race and there are places, but everybody's cheering each other on. All the crews are yeah. cheering each other on. Um, so, you know, you're feeling energy. And then, you know, once it starts to get dark out, that's when, you know, the mind starts wandering and everybody's going to sleep. You go through the end village. Nobody's awake anymore. You know, they're all bundled up sleeping. And you're just like, <gasps> man. And once it gets dark, it's like you don't really have any track of time or anything like that. So you think it's like, you think, I mean, it's dark for two hours, and I'm just like, okay, it's got to be like midnight. And you know, you ask somebody, and they're like, yeah, it's eight thirty. You're, <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, yeah, of course. Did you ever it think is. about wearing like a Garmin watch? Uh, yeah, yeah, I should have, but I did. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't have a watch or anything like that, so I didn't have any track of time or how fast I was going or anything like that. Um, but. Yeah, and then like one one in the morning, it started to rain. It was freezing cold, um, and that's that's when like it really just you know you start counting the laps too, it's, and you're like doing the math. That's what really kills me is like it's not so much that I have like twenty some laps left or anything like that. It's just that you're doing the time. You're like, okay, a lap takes me what twenty minutes, something like that, and then you're. It's like, okay, I only have 20 hours left, or like 20 laps left, but I have like eight hours left. And it's like, yeah, that just, yeah, that would like, be, yeah. And it was, it, you just, yeah, like, multiply that so much more for the run, too. It's like, okay, I have 13 miles left, but, you know, these miles are taking me, what, like 20, 30 minutes. So I have six hours left yeah. of this. And it's just, yeah. But I got done, I, I took a nap. Uh, around the this one somebody did tell me before the race so that really helped me um, they told me if you're gonna sleep sleep at like five four or five in the morning and take like an hour nap so then you trick your body into oh. you wake up and it's daylight and your body thinks and you go to bed when oh. it's dark like so, your circadian rhythm yeah. Is, yeah. okay yeah and so I, I did that for the first night I took an hour nap got up 
Uh, I think I had like 12 loops left or something on the bike. Uh, finished those up and those felt absolutely terrible. Uh, I woke up, everything, like, I woke up from the nap, all my clothes are damp, all my spare clothes are damp. Where did you, where did this nap happen? In the back of my car. Yeah. <laughs> like a van? Uh, uh, Toyota Highlander. Okay. Yeah. Damn. So. So were your clothes, because they were outside? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're all, they're, I mean, they were under a tent, so they weren't soaking wet, but, yeah. you know, everything's just damp, and I didn't bring enough change of clothes either, so I'd been through, like, two sweatshirts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that actually wasn't too bad. Just got back up on the bike and, and went, um, and then that took me, the last 12 laps took me, uh, I don't know how many hours, but it probably three or four hours, um, and then... I was the second one onto the. I was the second one onto the run. Uh, there's a there's a guy from Poland there. He's an MMA fighter, I think. Uh, who who just he was cruising on the bike. He's also cruising on the run too. But <laughs> yeah. uh, what did you eat when you woke up from your nap? Twenty uh, four egg whites. No, no so raw eggs. A, a lot of it was just granola bars. Okay. Uh, I didn't think I was ever going to get another granola bar in my life Yeah. Uh, after that event. But, yeah, a lot of it was granola bars. Uh, my mom brought PB&Js, um, so I ate a lot of those. And then uh, I had some Bang Energy drinks and some Zoa. But I tried to tried to stay away from them for the most part. But I did end up going through, like, three Bang Energies and a couple Zoas. Um, but, yeah, it was a lot of PB&Js. I did bring a bunch of, like... Uh, hot Cheetos and hot Funyuns and things like that. I didn't end up eating too many of those. It was mostly just uh, that. And then my my best friend bought like a, a camping stove. So he uh, heated up some like Campbell's uh, chicken noodle soup and things like that for me. Nice. So that was good. So the Hot Cheetos and Fritos, is that like one of your favorite? Is that like more of like a mental pick-me-up? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Gotcha. Yeah. You like spicy food? Yeah, love yeah. spicy food. And then candy as well. I had a lot of Swedish fish. Okay. Oh, Swedish fish. Yeah. Um, all right. So, what time did you finish the bike? Uh, I think I finished the bike around noon, like eleven or noonish. I think I, I know it took me about twenty four hours exactly. Okay. So then your second one to the run. What's going through your head at this point? Uh, so I went back down. Because this is all at like a campground or something like that. I went back down to the showers because I was like, I just got to get out of these clothes. Like, I got to get this sweat off me and everything like that. All this rain. So, the shower was definitely uh, helpful. And then, you know, at this point, I'm having like flashbacks to, to my Ultra. And I'm just like, man, I got 78 miles of this after I've been working out. For like 30 hours right now um so it was, it was definitely a mental battle and i was just like walking myself through it and i was just like you know one step at a time you know this time right now i i don't have any blisters it's not 110 degrees you know so i just i brought compression shorts this time and i was like i brought three different shoes and like uh 5, pairs of different socks i was like okay the goal right now is just keeping my skin intact you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying not to get any blisters not to get any like thigh chafe or anything like that um so that was that was the goal 
Uh, and then I actually changed up my strategy. So normally my strategy for any long distance running is, you know, just run as, as much as you can. Cause then as soon as you start walking, you're just going to walk the rest of the way. Mm. Uh, but this time I, I changed it up. I, I was on like mile seven or so. And I, I saw this lady, I don't know if she did it on purpose or cause I don't think she did that strategy. I'm pretty sure I was the only one doing this strategy the whole time was I saw her run down the hill and then just start walking up the next hill. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm just going to do that the whole race. I think I'm just going to run down the hill. I'm going to walk the uphills and then I'm going to run the straightaways as well. Uh, and so that's, that's just what I did. And that's what basically my mind was focused on like the whole run. And you saw, you said another lady who was competing doing this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just, I, and like, she didn't, she didn't do that for every hill. Like mm -hmm. it just happened to do that. She just did that there. And I just, I noticed that I was like, yeah, I don't know if she's doing that strategy, but that's, that's the strategy I'm going to do. And so I just ran down every hill, walked up every hill, ran every straightaway. Um, and that's really what just what I kept my mind on. So I just, you know, I saw the next next uphill. And I was like, okay, let's just walk this uphill. And I focused just walking that uphill. And then saw the downhill. I was like, okay, let's just run this downhill. And so, you know, I wasn't focused on any miles or anything like that. Um, my goal was to was to do 20-minute miles. Uh, and I think I was doing 10 to 12-minute miles for the first, like, 52 miles. Wow. Uh, and the first 52 just flew by for it was, it was amazing. Like, honestly, I thought it was going to be so much worse. Uh, but the run was, was honestly a lot easier than I thought. Uh, but then night hit, and it was just was pretty lonely at night, you know. And, again, it was just I had no track of time or anything like that. Uh, and then I slept, I slept an hour and a half the, the second night. Um, what time is this? Uh, it's probably, I think I slept in the middle of the night on this one. I think I slept uh from like two to four or something like that or like two thirty or four thirty. Uh and I slept in in my friend's car because my mom took my car back to the hotel. Um uh, and so yeah and it was a lot colder the second night. When um sorry, uh so was the run another loop? Yeah the run sorry yeah the run was a one mile so it was half mile down, half mile back. So it was like one mile total that we did 78 times. I feel like they could have really set you guys up better for this and not it's, have you do such short. I mean, trips. it's it's nice because you come through the, the village every time. So yeah. like your crew's there, your crew doesn't have to move or anything like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and like for me, growing up a, a swimmer where you're constantly just doing a 25, yeah, so 25 yard loop, you know, it's to me, it's not that bad. Yeah. And hmm. I think after like 70 miles or 200 miles of biking this you know the scenery doesn't really matter it's yeah like i guess that's anyway. you're gonna get yeah. over it either way yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense um yeah so my next question to that would have been like um knowing now that it is a shorter loop do did you ever run with anybody at any points like how many people signed up for this so 12 people signed up for the triple or 15 signed up for the triple with three of them being like a team. So they like split. Oh, up. okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. Like, were you running alongside anybody or biking alongside just to kind of keep like a little morale, like positive uh, vibes? Like, Hey, you're doing great, dude. Keep it up. Or was it just kind of like everyone for themselves? 
Uh, I know some people, some people like knew each other because a lot of people do like the repeat events, things like that. So they've done, or they like work up to the triple. So they'll like do the single, uh, then they'll do the double and then they'll do the triple. Uh, so they've been there a couple of years and they kind of know everybody. Uh, I was, I kind of was an outsider. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't know anybody there or anything like that. I'd never seen them before. Um, but I mean, they were all nice. They all cheered me on when they saw me, but no, I, you, you don't, you're not allowed to like pace off anybody. So you can't like follow okay. somebody mm. and, but like you can still run together. If somebody like wants you to pace off of them, then you can, or if you guys want to, if they want to run together, then you guys can run together. But like, I know just from my ultra, uh, like you, you could have a pacer on that ultra distance or the hundred mile. But like if any of my family or anybody like ran next to me, like I told them just like, you know, get behind me. Like, I, I don't want anybody next to me. Like I got to just do this by myself. Like mentally I'm not, I can't talk to you. I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just going to be mean. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But imagine like, that's like the, um, so you were going, so you were sleeping from like two to 4 AM. Mm -hmm. You're about what? 60 miles in at this point. Or you were saying I think you were was 52. About 50, 52. You said those went through yeah. pretty good, and then you wanted to get yeah. another quick nap in, and then the last marathon was it was it was brutal. I'd say I'd say that last one was. It's weird when you put it like that because yeah, like, oh, you're like the last little chunk, but it's actually 70 a miles. Marathon. But yeah, it's a marathon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it was just I thought, but it was like it's kind of a blessing, kind of a curse. I don't know. I thought I thought the whole thing was gonna feel like how the last marathon felt. So. It was it was nice that the first fifty two were pretty relaxed, but then like the last marathon, you know, you're popping ibuprofen like the Tic Tacs, uh, and it's just you know every every step you just feel it in your bones, you feel it in your joints, and it's just it's you just want to quit. You're doing the math in your head. You're like, okay, twenty six miles, it's not that far. And okay. most people most people would quit. You know, like this is something where people especially like that don't even like to exercise or like they're not even thinking about like taking another step. I mean, are you telling yourself anything like what, what's driving you? I mean, is it just the fact that you're almost done or? Yeah, it's just like one, when you feel the pain, like when this type of pain is hitting you. One, it's just, just the feel fear of failure. And another part is just like how close you are. Like in the actual race, it's not even like in the actual race. It's like, if I think about it, uh, it's like, okay, I've trained since February to get here. If I quit now when I'm 26 miles away, mm -hmm. it's like, it's not that I just have, if I want to do this over again, it's just not that I have 7.2 miles to swim, 336 miles of biking to go, and 52 miles of running. It's like I have all those months of training to repeat as well. It's like I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, and part of me is just like, you know, if I, if I quit, it's just like, I don't, I don't know how I deal with that. Just from my, my own point of view, it's just like, you know, I, cause I know. Have you ever quit anything before in your life? I don't, I, I think so. Probably. <laughs> I, nothing, nothing like. Cause it sounds like you never have. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's not You're much, like, I'm going to prove this point. You're, you're, yeah. You're going to hammer the nail all the way till it's down. Yeah, I mean, I quit there. There is, I did the, so I did the 200 fly. I quit that. Oh, so I, I did quit. <laughs> uh, but I did, I did come back, 
a couple months later and, and do the 200 fly and completed it. But yeah, it's just like when I'm thinking of those things, it's like if I got paid, well, the question that I ask myself is if I got paid a million dollars to take one more step, could I do it? Mm. And like the answer is always going to be yes. I can always put one foot in front of the other. So if I can do that, then we'll just keep doing that. Or if I can keep myself, if I got paid a million dollars to complete this mile, this lap, could I be able to do it? And it's like, yeah, I can do that. And especially with like everyone going there to support you, mm -hmm. really kill the vibe if you're like, oh, I'm going to be done. Yeah. Then everyone's going to be like, <laughs> yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yeah. like my, I was, I was posting updates on my Instagram and like, uh, I was I did like a Snapchat vlog basically when I was doing my uh, 100 mile ultra marathon. So a lot of like just my dental school friends were following along, and uh, you know I had a couple classmates tell me oh, my my whole family was invested in it. They're all watched for updates, so it's it's nice knowing I have that like support crew. Uh, even back in dental school, they're all like they're in clinic and seeing patients, but they're checking their Instagram or whatever just to follow me, and it's yeah. It's like, okay, I can't, can't go back to dental right. school and these people, like, what happened, you know? <laughs> All right, so you're almost there. Uh, last marathon, you said things aren't going so hot. Yeah, it's just everything hurts. You know, I see. I was, so I was second on to the run. I was the second male who finished, but fourth overall. Uh, and so I was, like, second out on the run. And I held second until, until that last, like, marathon. And then uh, these two women who were you know crazy athletes of their own rights but you know they were passing me and it's like oh, man you know i'm dying and it's like <laughs> these people they're going strong and so it's just like it's demoralizing it's still dark out when i woke up and it's i'm like freezing cold when i wake up and everything's damp and i just gotta get out there and you gotta you gotta warm up again and it's i don't know it's just it was my mind definitely went to dark places on that run but um, yeah, we got it done. Like my, my hip started hurting too. Like, uh, the back and everyone's like, Oh, you got blisters. I was like, no, thank goodness. I don't have blisters <laughs> just like my hip. But yeah, it was just the last, last marathon hurt. And, uh, I was like counting down the minutes to, to my next, like safe ibuprofen dose that I could take. And, um, yeah. And it's, it's hard on the run. Cause you got to also balance nutrition. It's like, every time you come back to the end village, you like what you want to eat. Uh, but you have to realize that, you know, I just ran a mile, you know, <laughs> it's like, it feels like it was, it was not a mile. feels like it was longer, but it's like, you know, I can't gorge myself. Like, mm. you know, I just ran a mile. Yeah. So, so are you pretty much just taking in like gel packs and little canola bars and stuff or like, what are the things you are eating this last bit of the run yeah it's just like i i couldn't eat any more granola bars um so it was mostly swedish fish and like campbell's uh chicken noodle soup and things mm -hmm. like that and just like just like little bits of it i wasn't having like a whole packet of swedish fish or a whole thing of soup yeah but yeah so what time do you cross the lot the finish line so it's it's really nice to do this awesome thing where your crew can follow you on like the last lap uh so that was really nice you know they brought their boom box or like their their speaker pill and like they're playing songs my my best friend mason he was like boxing to <laughs> to like the rocky theme song yes that's what i was gonna guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he was out there boxing and doing the last lap with me and then uh, they hand you like for the last little bit when you're going through the end village, they have like this big speaker 
uh, that they play like the national anthem for you. You get to carry this flag through it. Um, I think I crossed the finish line around 11 <coughs> o'clock uh, in the morning. I think the whole thing took me about 52 hours. Oh, so. yeah. So two days and some change. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what did you do to celebrate being done? Uh, they yeah, what's the recovery do? period look like? So I was uh, basically just a sack of meat for like a week. I just did nothing. But uh, immediately after, uh, I went and took a shower um, and then said thank you to all the race officials and things like that. Uh, they let you hit like this anvil with a hammer. So, And if you do a double, you get to hit it twice. You do a triple, you hit it three times. Uh, so they make they make you feel nice, um, and then since my ultra at the end of my ultra I was smoking a, a cigar, uh, and then so at the end of this one I had my friend bring me a cigar as well and smoked it on my last lap. Um, cool. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah. um, but then yeah, my, my mom just took everybody out to a nice restaurant. I had uh, like a pizza and fries and everything like that, everything I wanted. Um, I have relatives who live out in Virginia, so then after I had all that, I uh, went up to like Washington, D.C. area, uh, and so all my relatives on my mom's side threw me like a big big party or whatever with a lot of, a lot of Asian food, so I ate rolls and, and sandwiches, things like that, and so I uh, went up to see them, and then uh, just that was, I think it was Saturday or Sunday. Um, and then I, I had class, I had a, I actually had an oral surgery, uh, residency interview on Monday. So we had to drive all the way back to wow. Iowa. Uh, my girlfriend and my sister did that for me while I sat in the back and ate, uh, Reese's and, <laughs> <laughs> and Jolly Ranchers and passed in and out of consciousness for like a 13 hour drive back. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, Deidre, do you have anything else for our guest? Um... I guess, so do you do a lot of CrossFit workouts? Like, what is your favorite? If you're going to do a CrossFit wad or if you want to do something fun, what kind of workout would you do? I do. I have actually don't think I've ever done a CrossFit no? workout. Okay. I, joined the, I joined the gym because you guys had a lot of pull-up bars and things like that. And okay. I wanted to get into calisthenics. And, and I know CrossFitters do a lot of handstands, and I'd like to learn how to do a handstand. Let me set you up uh, with Ben. Yeah. And just see, yeah. you know, how he can help you because I think he'd be – you know, have a real positive impact on your goals. Yeah. Um, sure. but yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I think if there's anything, you know, that you kind of want to like equipment wise, I got like those little, uh, the, the rogue balls yeah, that hanging. you can do pull-ups uh, on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I've seen you doing like one handed rope pull-ups with one hand on the pull-up bar too. Mm-hmm. Like those are creative. And I've mm-hmm. seen like other guys in the CrossFit world doing like Marcus Philly and other people like that. But, um, yeah, you can no, play like, on the handstand ramp. That's pretty fun. The the what? A, it's a handstand walking ramp. So it's like a ramp and then a few steps down that you do on oh, your I hands. Don't think I've seen, I don't think it's I've like, seen. Um, yeah, it's just... It looks like a wedge kind of. In oh, okay. It's black right. and red. Okay. Does Once that you get help your handstand? Or is that just like... It's just a fun train? challenge, okay. yeah. All right. Well, I can't I can't even walk on my hands or do any handstand yet, so i gotta got to nail that That can be your goal. Yeah. All right. Uh... Jacob, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing uh, some of your stories um, and also sharing, uh, you know, how you um, go about your day with your nutrition. I think that was really cool to learn about as well. Um, I think our listeners are going to love this episode. Yeah, it was super interesting. Um, awesome. Thanks for having me. 
before we leave, is there anything you're looking forward to in the future? Like anything you're training for? I, I know this just happened, so are you just going to take some time off for a while? Uh, I do. So I kind of get these ideas that kind of either stay with me or, or they kind of disappear. But this one's kind of staying with me. So I have, I have an idea. Um, hopefully it'll come to fruition over like spring break. But uh, yeah, I want to. I don't want to get say too much about it. But it, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool if it, if I get to do it. Okay. We'll have you back yeah. on. We'll have you back. Yeah. On. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we would. I mean, we would like to follow you through it too. So like, if you yeah. do decide, or if the training camp goes well, and it, if this is something you uh, um, nail down to do, okay. let us know because we yeah. want to be a we'll part of that along. team to follow along. Like okay. this is really cool stuff. So. Yeah. Um, all right, Jacob. Thanks again, man. Uh, Deidre, we'll see you next episode. See ya. Goodbye, everybody.